Welcome back to the Muzzle Blast Podcast. Today we're talking with Jeff Clemens from Thor Bullets about the changes Thor Bullets is seeing in the muzzleloading industry and how the past year of craziness has affected them and what they're doing moving forward to continue promoting muzzleloading around the country. So my name is Jeff Clemens. I'm the owner of Thor Bullets. Um, just a little background on Thor. Uh, it was started by a gentleman named Terry Ortwig. Uh, Terry was a inventor slash patent holder on a lot of different uh, items within the muzzleloading industry. Uh, Terry actually was the patent holder for the CVA Electra. If any of you remember oh, wow. the Electra. Uh, yeah, so it was the first uh, electronic ignition. Actually worked super, super well. Uh, the problem was the price point was tough for people to swallow back in those days. So what was that priced at? Just out of curiosity. It was it was really high. I can't remember exactly the price, but I remember it was almost double that of a regular muzzle loader. Wow. And so people kind of balked at it. But the nice part is it would ignite in any condition. Yeah. I mean the the electronic would just would just ignite the rifle. So um anyway Terry Terry invented that um and then he patented Thor because he was a muzzleloader shooter himself and wanted to know, wanted to make a bullet that would shoot well every single time because he had had trouble with power belts he'd had trouble with all kinds of different bullets and so his idea was let's make a full bore conical um, with a copper gas seal instead of a plastic gas seal and so uh, Terry started the company in 2012 um, and I met Terry just through some trade shows and and some other stuff and we kind of started a relationship and um we decided uh, Terry was getting, you know, up there in age, and he was he was kind of wanting to get out and move on. And uh, I saw it as a good opportunity to, you know, take a product that I'd actually been using myself, and uh, and start trying to rebrand it and remarket it. And so we acquired uh, Thor Bullets in um, in mid. 2018. And so we've been going through a rebranding and remarketing and uh, really trying to get get the bullets out there into people's hands and uh, and just show people what a a true 50 caliber, you know, full bore conical can do. Yeah, I think that's one of the primary questions that you see online. And I mean, people are pretty set on the kind of muzzleloader they want to get, you know, as far as brand and model. But then as soon as they get it, the very next question is, what's my powder charge? What's a good power yep. charge? And what's a good bullet for these? And I think that's, <laughs> that's, it's wonderful to be talking to you about it because it's such a wide market and there's not a whole lot of communication from the people that own the company. So I, I really appreciate you coming on and and talking with us. And I mean, the listeners know by now that you guys have been sponsoring the podcast and we really appreciate that. It's been a lot of fun working with you and it's nice to have you on the line now to, to hear from you about what the business is doing. Yeah, well, we really appreciate you guys over at Muzzle Blast. We just, you know, we love what you guys are doing it's for the sport, for the industry. Um, you know, our industry is growing. Um, there's more and more people, you know, coming online and really getting into muzzle loading, hunting, shooting. Um, and it's it's really fun to see. And and I think as more people get into it, I think they go, you know, there's a lot of traditional hunters out there, um, which we love the traditional guys. Obviously, we're more focused on the inline side. Um, but I think it's just a fun sport all the way around. Um, and I think as people get into it, um, it kind of harkens back to traditional values, which I think our country really is missing at this point. And I think that's why 
the sport has been growing so much. That's one of the reasons the sport has been growing so much. So we, we love what you guys are doing and uh, yeah, we're just excited to, you know, continue the partnership with you guys and see if we can grow the sport, get more people on board. Yeah. So kind of on that note, uh, comically, I was just in the local gun shop this morning, picking up some muzzleloading supplies that I needed to do for some, for some video shoots coming up in the next couple of weeks. And I was talking, uh, to the guy behind the counter that was checking me out and he said, Oh, you're, you know, thanks for buying the muzzleloading supplies. It's my favorite thing to shoot. And he's <laughs> in a shop with a counter with a ton of modern handguns, modern rifles, everything there. But we talked for 20 minutes about how his favorite thing to shoot are muzzleloaders of all kinds. Yeah. He just picked yeah. up a Hawken. He's been shooting inlines for years for hunting, but now he's getting into the traditional side of things. But he said across the board, it's the only, it's the, it's the one thing that he loves to shoot all the time. And I thought that was yeah. really neat because I think a lot of times there can get arguments going, especially online, people on their keyboards, you know, being upset about it. But, you know, it's, it's a great sport to have so much involvement in across the board, whether you're into camping out in the woods underneath a canvas or, you know, you're just taking your muzzleloaders to the range. And I think this last year has been a crazy boom for it. I mean, we talked a little bit yesterday on the phone just about how the events of last year really affected the shooting sports industries. And I think you talking about kind of traditional values, especially here in the States, I think you are seeing a huge push towards kind of self-reliance, do it yourself, hands-on. And I think muzzleloading really meshes with that. Yeah, I agree. Well, and I also think the other thing that I see is muzzleloading brings community. Yes. You know, as you go out to these shoots, as you go out to these rendezvous, you know, people are getting together. People are talking. People are, you know, um, being around each other. And that's really what people are missing right now. And I think that's the cool thing about, you know, this sport and just hunting and shooting in general is it brings people together. And I think that's what we need more often, more of today in the U S it's funny online. I see a lot, um, that when somebody gets a new muzzleloader of any kind, uh, I, like I said earlier, they're asking about charges and bullets, but when they're asking for information, the number one response that I see is you need to find a local club, you need to find some buddies and make friends with the people in those clubs and learn from them because it's such a hands-on sport and a hands-on hobby that it's really hard to learn just from everything online and you can get a real personal touch and really tap into some knowledge at the local clubs and the rendezvous and things and really you know, create a bond. I, I talk a lot about on the show about how muzzleloading is so much more intimate than other shooting sports. And I, I think it really, like you say, you have this sense of small communities and camaraderie that really makes it great. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And, and I do think, you know, like what you're saying with bullets and powder and um, you know, all of those different components that go in getting your load set up you know every gun is different and that's and that's one of the reasons that you know when we when terry created thor one of his thoughts was i've got different barrel sizes i've got barrels from 0.499 like in 50 cal i've got barrels from 0.499 to 0.503 and i've got all kinds of different sizes in there depending on you know how that barrel was manufactured or also how long how much that barrel's been used yeah and so he decided, hey, let's let's get this, you know, let, let's figure out a way to size our bullets to the to the customer's barrel instead of the other way around. 
And so I think it's been, it's been a huge event. It's been very advantageous for us because we sell a lot of, of bullets to people that have wider barrels. You know, mm-hmm. they have a 503 barrel, they have a 502 barrel and, uh, and they want a bullet that's sized and seated perfectly to their bore. And so I think that's the interesting thing as you talk about, like a lot of people are saying, I don't know what powder to use. I don't know what bullet to use. I've heard some guys have success with power belts. I've heard some guys have success with round balls. I have, you know, some guys have success with lead conicals. And and the truth is it's different for every gun. Yeah. And certain guns are gonna certain guns are gonna shoot really well with the power belts if the, if they're if their bores are narrower, they're going to shoot. They're going to shoot well with a power belt. But if their bores are wider, they're not. Um, and 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 the same thing goes. You know, it just kind of depends on the size of your round ball or your conical. And so I think there's a lot of variables out there. And what we try and do is take the guesswork out of those variables by actually sizing your bore. Yeah, and I think that's something that's really we're starting to see this in the mainstream. And I think on our end, when it comes to competition muzzleloading, you've seen this for, for decades, really, that you, we have people weighing balls, they're miking their round balls or the conicals, you know, looking for a consistent weight and a consistent dimension so that they're, when they're competing at the national level or even at the local level, you know, if, if it's a really, you know, hard hitting club that you need to shoot well to place, um, they've been, shooting to make even the round balls as accurate as possible. So yeah. for me, I, I love the the technology and the engineering behind it. What did it take or what does it take to manufacture a modern conical like you guys are producing? It's it's quite a process. So Terry realized when he first started manufacturing that he couldn't get the terminal performance that he wanted making the bullets himself, especially making the tips. What do you mean by terminal performance? So terminal performance is how the bullet performs once it hits the target. Okay. So what Terry, what Terry realized is once it, once it hits the target, a lot of these bullets um, that are, uh, you know, lead based, uh, will, will fragment and fracture. Mm -hmm. And so what you don't get is you don't get as big of a, entry hole and you also don't get as big of a blood trail and so he decided i want something that's going to mushroom and expand and so that's why that's why he contracted initially with barnes and so barnes what barnes does is they make the bullet with the gas seal for us and then we're able to we're able to through our patented process go through and size that gas seal to your bore okay Huh. And so, so the so the the process is pretty labor intensive, because for every order we are going through and we're making it specifically for that customer. So okay. a customer will size their bore, and then we go through and we make that that sized uh, bullet for them. Hmm. So you're really on kind of continuing that personal touch of muzzleloading into even into your, you know, what could be seen as a mass-produced product for muzzleloading. Yeah, yeah. My wife says we're a boutique shop. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I guess that's kind of that's kind of what we are. And, and really, I mean, that's what we're we're trying to we're trying to continue to to broaden our market and broaden our base. But we are we have that personal touch. You know, every every bullet that we make is touched by a human hand and goes through several different processes. So you're getting something that is a one of a kind with every bullet. Hmm. So it's not just, you know, somebody's monitoring the end of a large mechanized assembly line. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a person. So yeah. it's a, it's, it's a, it's kind of a, yeah, it's an interesting process, but, um, you know, we feel, we feel like we have 
great product and we feel like we have one of the best bullets on the market uh, for inline muzzleloaders. And and like we talked about yesterday, we have people that shoot are shooting these out of Hawkins, mm-hmm. shooting these out of like, you know, one in 48 twist rifles and uh, having really good success with them. So, um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting market for us. We've been kind of getting into some traditional stuff, but um, right now we're really focused on inlines and and that's probably where the majority of our business will be. But it's it's fun seeing those traditional guys start to use them. Yeah. So what is it, what's it look like right now for somebody wanting to get into, you know, muzzleloader hunting and you guys are out in Oregon. So I imagine your focus is Western big game hunters, guys trucking through mountains, hunting elk and other big game like that. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So, so the majority of the majority of our customers are from Colorado and Oregon, uh, just given regulations. So Colorado has a lot of regulations on their, uh, their inline bullets where they, there's not a lot of things that you can use. Um, so, so our bullets are very popular there and, and as well in Oregon. And so we do focus on that a lot. Like I'm an, I'm an elk hunter, you know, and a mule deer hunter. So that's, 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 you know, that's what I grew up doing. I grew up doing that, uh, with old school. I grew up with an old Hawken and, uh, and then also, you know, I've shot in, you know, shot inline muzzleloaders. Um, you know, I've archery hunted, I've bow hunted, you know, I've, I've rifle hunted, I've done it all. Um, and I just love hunting. I love being out there. I love being in the woods. I love just the, the fresh air and also just the closest closeness to nature. Mm -hmm. You don't get you know, on a daily basis. And I, it's, it's one of my special times every year that I get to go out in the forest and, and really be out in nature. It's really, really cool. Um, and I, and I really want to share that with people. And that's, you know, the nice part with muzzle loading is across the country, we've got a lot of States now that are putting in extra seasons. And yes. so you got have guys that, you know, I'm going to hunt my archery season. I'm going to hunt my rifle season. And then I've got an opportunity to get back out in the woods and go on a muzzleloader hunt. And I think that's the cool part about muzzleloading is it does get you out there in the woods a little bit more and get you out away and just able to decompress. Yeah. And so I think that's the, that's one of the cool draws for me um, is getting people out in the woods more and just getting them back to, back to traditional values and back to nature. Yeah. So what is, what did growing up look like for you out West? Have you <laughs> always been a hunter or is, is that something that kind of came on a little later in life? So, yeah. So, um, I grew up, my family was, uh, they're all from Eastern Oregon. Uh, so Oregon's kind of divided. You have the Valley and then you have everything East of the Valley. And so uh, you've got kind of very juxtaposition between those two. Um, I grew up in a a small town. Well, now it's not small anymore, but, (laughs) uh, Bend, Oregon. Uh, it was about 30,000 people. Uh, everybody hunted, fished, um, you know, when, when hunting season was on, um, you know, half the people weren't there on a Friday night football game because everybody was out in the woods hunting. Uh, cool. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I grew up, um, you know, played football, basketball, did all those fun things in high school. And then, um, I, I actually, because of that, because of sports, a lot of the time I was not able to go and attend, you know, when my dad would go out hunting, um, I had a game Friday night and then I had film review on Saturday. So a lot of my high school years, I missed out on hunting. So I grew up hunting when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And then as, uh, as I got through college, um, I actually played a little bit of uh, football in college. And so as I got through college, 
um, I decided I really want to get back into this. And so I got back in, I had a, uh, a muzzleloader elk hunt my first year after college. Nice. And, uh, and man, it was just, we, I shot a nice five by five, uh, bull elk and it was just like, Oh man, this is what I've been missing. I love this. And so, um, I really, you know, that kind of started the passion for hunting for me again, kind of reignited that flame. And so I'm just, I'm just excited to be in an industry that I really love. And I, I want other people to enjoy it because there's so many of my friends and so many people that I know that would, would love the sport. They just need to give it a try. Yeah. Um, and so I really, I really want to encourage people if you're out there and you haven't tried it, try it. It is, it is something that you won't regret and it's something that you can find community in. Yeah. I, I kind of had a similar experience growing up, not so much on hunting, but just in, in muzzle loading in general. I got, I was really into it when I was young, high school started to pull me away as I had kind of my <laughs> own personal interests. And then after college, it was like, Hmm, I have some time. I have some money in my pocket now, and I can start getting back <laughs> into this without running to mom and dad, you know, for 20 bucks for some caps or something, you know? <laughs> and I think that's a, a neat thing. To try to remember, I mean, I think there's a lot of concerns in muzzleloading and hunting, especially across the country, about the age demographics involved. And I think that by getting out there and exposing young people to it, not necessarily, you know, young as in like, you know, less than 10, but, you know, after college, after high school aged people, you start to have some time and you start to have some money to start exploring your own interests. And yeah, I think right now, a lot of the younger people that I talk to are sick of being on their phones or being in the office or being out on the job site. And they're looking for something that they can do the exact opposite of that. They don't have to listen to anybody. They don't have to have their phone and being out in the woods and carrying something as simple as a muzzleloader is that escape for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would a hundred percent agree. And as we are more connected as a society, we're less connected, mm -hmm. you know? And I think, I think people need that refresh of being out in something that God created, you know, if, if they're out in nature and they're able to get away, I think it's just a, it's just a good thing for their spirit. It's a good thing for their heart. And I really think that, um, yeah, I, I do see a lot. I'm hoping that we get a lot more of the younger generation on board because you're right. The demographics of muzzleloading are, um, and it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing, but the demographics of muzzleloading are the older generation. And I think we need more younger people to pick up the sport. And so I, I really am encouraging, you know, just friends of mine, my circle of influence, to get out there and try it, you know, try it, just give it a shot. If you don't like it, you don't like it, but give it a shot. And more times than not, what I do find is most people actually do like it and they really enjoy it and they're hooked. Yeah. So <laughs> I think we just need to do more of that as a, as hunters right now, it's our responsibility to pass it on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree fully with that. I mean, I, we have some, I mean, I'm here in Indiana and we, I mean, turkey season's coming up and there are quite a few turkey um, in my family woods. I, I'm kind of getting a little itch to go see if I can bring one in or not um, because they are pretty feisty <laughs> around yeah. here at least. Uh, and we have a few white tail, but mostly for me, I mean, it, it sounds kind of silly, but it's squirrels. I mean, it's just the, okay. the challenge of squirrel hunting is just <laughs> a game for me. There's not really yeah. a trophy involved, but um, I think I, I talked to you some yesterday. I'm, I'm building up a flintlock. 
uh, round ball gun, and I'm just excited to try to take some squirrels with that. I mean, I do it a little bit with uh, with my air rifle, and but I've got an optic, a little scope on that. But I think the the challenge of a, a single shot muzzleloader with, with squirrels, you know. So if you if you're not in a position where you can go out and yeah. big game hunt with elk, or you know, even not whitetail aren't really big game, but you know, some varmints, you know, there's still some stuff out there you can go have yeah. fun with. Well, heck, that would be a that'd be a heck of a challenge. I've never actually tried it myself, but I know. I know people that have, and I always think like, man, that is, that would be challenging. Yeah. I and mean, you're, that's a small target. Yeah. At any so. distance, you start to really <laughs> get funky. For sure. <laughs> so talking about, I guess the demographics, I mean, I saw, and it's kind of, it's really sparked this series of, of talking to people from the muzzleloading and the shooting sports industry here, just a huge surge of interest in muzzleloading and shooting sports in general. But for what we're talking about is really muzzleloading, because I think we saw an incredible surge over the last year of people interested mm-hmm. in all forms of muzzleloading. And I, my theory is, and I'd be interested to hear what you think about it, but my theory is we had, you know, COVID come in in the spring and everybody was real cautious about it you know, pretty much through the summer and then hunting season came around. And my theory is a ton of people needed an excuse to get out of the house and they wanted to escape a little bit and they wanted to kind of get back in touch with nature. And we just had this huge wave of hunting muzzleloading interest just peak up. As you said, people trying to get a couple extra weeks. And then, I mean, I think to me that that stayed all the way through because even through Christmas, um, the large manufacturers and the small mom and pop shops are still behind on fulfilling orders that were placed back in, you know, November and December. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm just curious about what you guys have seen with that and and what yeah. you think about it. Yeah, no, we, we definitely saw an increase last year. I think um, what, what my kind of gut theory tells me is, you know, the um, pre, pre this whole COVID thing, um, the, the savings rates of Americans were in the, in the toilet, right? Like mm-hmm. Americans weren't saving it at all. If you look, I think there was a report report that came out last November. We were at the highest point in history of savings rates in the country. So we flipped completely. Wow. I think, I think what happened is people had more money in their pockets. They were staying at home. They weren't going out to eat. Mm-hmm. They weren't do, taking the big trip that they were usually taking. And so I think a lot of people had more money in their pockets and a lot of people were like, Oh, you know what? I'm sitting at home. I, I, maybe I'm working remotely. Maybe I'm doing, you know, whatever, maybe I'm laid off. I've got some extra cash. I've got some extra time. Let's try and build a muzzleloader kit. You know, let's yeah. try, let's try this out. I've never tried this before. It seems really cool. I, I've got buddies who do it. And it would also be something that would like, you know, fill the time. And yeah. so I, I, I think we definitely saw that, um, you know, we saw, we saw a really, really big increase, especially in the earlier months of 2020. Okay. Um, you know, usually where, usually where we see stuff kind of trail off in March, April, May, and then you start, start getting kind of a buildup in June and July. We saw that kind of spike this year where we would usually have really flat sales. We had a big spike. And I think a lot of that was people staying home. Um, I, yeah, I, I, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dichotomy, but I do think that we'll just continue to see it this year, especially as manufacturers are having trouble getting inventory and fulfilling orders. Um, I think demand has just gone through the roof and I think people are just kind of like, 
chomping at the bit to get into this. The problem is, can we keep up with it? Yeah. And I think that's going to be the challenge for every manufacturer across the board, just because of, you know, all of their components, all of the raw materials needed, where a, a lot of that was exhausted last year. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if factories and and companies can keep up with bringing in raw materials. So, yeah, it's it, it's an interesting year. I think we, uh, it, just in Thor Bullets, we are positioned in a good place because we still have, um, you know, a good stockpile of, of bullets ready to sell. Um, so I, I feel like we're going to have a, a really good year as far as being able to serve the customer. So I, I feel I feel very good about that. And I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like it could be a really good 2021. That's great. So what do you... What are you looking forward to this year? I mean, as as somebody involved in the muzzleloading industry and the, a business owner, but then also a hunter yourself, what are you what are you yeah. excited about? Well, I'm 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 actually there's there's a couple you know a couple guns coming out that I'm I'm excited to check out. You know, we talked about it on the phone. Uh, CVA is releasing um, some 45 caliber and, and even 40 caliber, uh, there's a paramount HTR that they're releasing. They're also releasing a new MRX and LRX. Uh, those guns are pretty exciting. Traditions is actually changing their twist rate on a lot of guns. So they're going oh, down cool. to a one in one in 24 twist with their mm. they're calling it vapor barrels. So I'm excited to see those, give those a try, see how they shoot with our bullets. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited to see the muzzleloader industry kind of getting some more technology and, and things that are changing. You know, I, I, for so long, the industry stayed pretty stagnant. It's fun to see some new technology coming in, um, but using traditional stuff, you yeah. know, like the the nitro fire, um, you know, it's, it's, it's basically traditional technology, but kind of a new way of doing it. Yeah. And so I think I think seeing those things happen is really, really cool. Um, and then I also just I'm just in, interested in, in seeing, you know, how many more new people pick up the sport. And so, you know, I, as I as I kind of read industry reports and stuff like that, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, what the demographic is. Um, and as I talk to different manufacturers, what their demographic is um, and how it, how is that changing? And, and hopefully as, as we go along, the older generation's passing it down to the younger generation and we're getting more and more people into it yeah. Um, yeah. and sharing that knowledge. And so those are kind of the things that I'm looking forward to in 2021. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of excited to see, you know, what happens this year. Yeah. I think the, for a lot of, a lot of us, I mean, I was excited to go back to the shot show and meet with people and because it's, it's so <laughs> nice to, yeah, yeah. To sit down and talk with people. I mean, much like we do now, you know, over the phone, but sitting across the table with, you know, the big hall and there's a bunch of noise and all the new products that everybody's excited about is fun. But I think that, you know, that was a real change for everybody. And it was nice to see, you know, companies continuing to publicize and get out there. I mean, muzzle loading is a small, 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 small part of the shot show, you know, in the shooting sports yeah. industry as a whole. But, and that's what sparked, you know, my interest in trying to, um, talk to people about this is, um, the shooting industry magazine published, uh, a research survey there in their January issue that muzzleloading was the second highest growth category of all yeah. of the shooting sports, second only to the modern sporting rifles. And yeah. that was just a real eye opener for me that, I mean, cause I, 
at least the, the muzzleloaders that I interact with, you know, they they famously joke about themselves being, you know, pretty cheap. And I mean, we're, <laughs> we're casting our own round balls, you know, and, and doing all this stuff ourselves. But, you know, those, the people that have been muzzleloading for years can't buy enough stuff to create yeah. that spike in interest, you know, so there's yeah. got to be a ton of new people out there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that. I agree. That's, that's kind of what, what I gather from, from those things as well is we are getting more and more people into it. And, and I really do believe a lot of it is spreading from word of mouth. People see it, people see their friends doing it and they go, how can I get on board with this? And I mm -hmm. think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, it's a, it's a, it's a really cool thing and it gets you back to, you know, it gets you back in touch with the way that they used to do it, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, I think that's a really, really cool, cool way to connect with the past. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For a limited time, you can enter to win a 15 pack of Thor bullets. That's a 30 to $34 value. Visit thorbullets.com slash NMLRA to fill out the form and enter to win. So what's your, what's your go-to, um, hunting muzzleloader season setup? What, what's your gun? What's your propellant? What's your gear? I mean, you're obviously using Thor bullets, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so right now I have a, a, an old CVA Acura. Um, and that's kind of my, because it's a Northwest legal. So mm. a lot of my hunts are here in Oregon, uh, or Washington. And so I use an old CVA Acura, um, it's a 30 inch barrel. It's actually an LR that's converted, uh, for the Northwest. Um, and I, I use the Williams Western precision globe site for that Okay, yeah. in Oregon. We can't have scopes. We can't have, do anything like that. So it's all peep site. Um, and I'm using, I'm using usually, um, either Pyrodex or I'm, I'm actually, I've been going to Blackhorn lately. The problem is getting Blackhorn as mm -hmm. you and I have discussed. Yeah. Um, so Blackhorn is kind of my powder of choice and I'm usually, usually running about 70 to 75 grains of Blackhorn, uh, with a 250 grain Thor bullet. Okay. So you're not maxing out, you know, the Blackhorn charge. No, I've, I've found for me, the best accuracy is right in that range. Okay. So, um, usually if I'm, if I'm using like a Pyrodex, I'll be right around 95 to hundred grains, but with Blackhorn, it's just so much more potent mm -hmm. that, uh, that I'm right down around 75. Okay. And what distances are you shooting for when you're hunting? I mean, you've got I'm the honestly, peep sights, but I love shooting peep sights. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I shot yeah, those for years I mean, in competition. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, I feel comfortable probably 125 yards and in. Okay. I, I don't like taking shots over that because I just don't, I just don't trust it. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when I'm hunting, I want to make sure that I'm taking an ethical shot. Yes. And so I always, I always err on the side of caution when it comes to that. That's something I really appreciate about muzzleloading hunters. I mean, interacting with the community a little bit through our long hunter society program, it's, it's so satisfying to see a hunting community that's not really involved in any scandals whatsoever. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no weird, odd pictures, you know, online of people doing stuff that you're just kind of like, come on guys. Um, yeah. and almost everybody I talk to is in that same place. And we've got muzzleloaders now that you're starting to reach out pretty far. Um, but if you're, it, nobody that I talk to says, you know, I just got 
a long range muzzleloader and I'm going to take a deer without any practice at, you know, three or 400 yards. <laughs> Everybody always yeah. brings up that they've tested the loads and they've gone through and they found something that's accurate. And nine times out of 10, they're less than 150 yards. And I, I would argue that 90% of that 90% is less than a hundred yards because they're focusing on that ethical shot to make sure that everything is good. And they're, they're taking that animal as peacefully and as appropriately as possible. Yeah. Well, and I, I will say nothing feels worse than when you make a bad shot Yeah. and, and the animal runs off and you go, I know I hit it, yeah. but I didn't hit it right, you know, um, yeah. and it's just, it's the worst feeling in the world. You never want to have an animal go missing. You know, I've, I've lost one in the past and it's, it's terrible. It you sticks know? with and, you. And sometimes, sometimes it's no fault of your own, but it still feels terrible. Yeah. So I just, I, that's why I'm just very, very hesitant. No matter if I'm, no matter if I'm muzzleloader hunting or if I'm archery hunting, I'm very diligent about making sure that the shot is good. And I can get a good kill shot. If I can't, I don't take the shot. Yeah. Um, and, and really it's more out of respect for the animals because, you know, I, I really want to, I want to have those animals around for my kids mm -hmm. and, and their kids to hunt, you know? And so I, I, I think it's, it's a responsibility of us all to be ethical hunters. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. I, I think it's going to be, um, you know, I, I think it'll be a really interesting year this year. And I, and I, you know, like you talked about, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited to see more and more people get into it. Um, you know, when I was talking to the owner of Lyman a couple of years ago, you know, he was telling us that, um, muzzle loading to him just kind of remains consistent. Mm. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it, when, when a recession hits, it stays consistent when a boom hits or people are scrambling for guns it, it stays pretty consistent. Like it just levels off. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's really encouraging to see it continue to grow. And, and like you're saying, it's like, if it's the second biggest growth portion of, of the shooting industry, I think that's amazing. I'm, I'm really, I'm really amazed at that. I'm really, I mean, I'm very stoked. I think that that will be just awesome for, you know, like you said, new and younger people getting into it, I think is the key. So whatever we can do to promote that, like guys, you know, guys, your age, you know, mm -hmm. we can get guys that are 27, 28, 29 into it. Um, you know, they're going to get their kids into it because they're getting into it about the time they're starting to have kids. Yeah. You know, I yep. think like it's, it's one of those perpetual things. We just got to keep sharing it. Yeah. So what would you say, you know, if say somebody listens to this episode, they want to get into muzzleloading, muzzleloader hunting, what is your go-to, you know, introductory thing or things, set of things that they need to get to get started? Oh man, it's like an elevator pitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Give me your elevator pitch on, on muzzleloading. Well, I, I think the nice part about here's, here's, the advantages of muzzleloaders you get extra seasons mm -hmm. also the cost to get in is relatively inexpensive compared to getting into the center fire game you know yeah. you're spending a fraction of the cost on a muzzleloader um the the um the advantages also are you just have a lot less people in the woods when you're muzzleloader hunting you know you don't have the pressure you don't have the competition and i think it's also one of those things that it allows you if you're a tinkerer it allows you to tinker um because there's so many different facets yeah. to working up a load or working on your rifle or the sights that you're using or you know what kind of primers you're using what kind of powder you're using all that stuff 
is really fun to toy with and experiment with and kind of figure out what works best for you. And the cool part is it's a unique blend that you're going to use compared to anybody else who's shooting. Yeah. And so I think, I think that's probably what I would say is are the advantages of it. And I just, it's so much fun. It's so much fun to get out there. It's so much fun to be out in nature and it's so much fun to do it with other people. Yeah. I think that's a great answer. I, I personally love the tinkering side of it. I've always been kind of into tinkering and working with stuff and muzzleloading is just a neat other avenue that I can say, oh, I'm going to the shop. I got to, I got to do some tinkering and, you know. <laughs> My wife would say I do too much of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think that's a pretty close across the board there. <laughs> Well, I think that I think that wraps it up for us, Jeff. I really appreciate you coming on and talking with us. And I really, again, appreciate your support of the podcast and kind of the new media side of what we're doing here at the NMLRA to reach out and share what we all love about muzzleloading with a new generation and an old generation um, and just really capture these stories and, and sharing them with people for the next generations. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It was great talking to you and uh, just really love what you guys are doing for the sport. I'd like to thank Jeff again for coming on the show. He took some time out of his busy schedule, just like everybody else from the industry that's taken time to talk to me over the phone here has. Uh, it's just really nice to be able to reach out in this close-knit, really small, like I talked about, subsection of the larger shooting sports and outdoor industry. And it's nice to be able to sit down and have these conversations. And I hope that it helps you, the listener, whether no matter what your in interest is in muzzleloading, I hope it helps you kind of understand and get an idea of, of the people that are making and producing and selling the products that you and your friends are using or people you see online are using just to kind of get a little insight into what those companies are doing and what the people behind them are like and and their passion about this as well. As we have been doing for the last few episodes of the podcast, you can visit ThorBullets.com slash NMLRA for your chance to win one of their packs of their premium Thor Bullets. I've got a few on the way to test out in a couple muzzleloaders here for some filming this spring and summer. So I'm excited to get those in my hands and, and try them out on the range. We've got some neat ideas for videos coming up for muzzleloaders of all kinds. Now that the snow has melted here in Indiana, if you're listening in, um, in 2021, the weather is getting warmer and we're excited to get out and start attending some more shoots. And it won't just be you hearing from me or seeing me in the shop or in my library. So I'm excited to get out and see everybody. If you have an event or a shoot or a show of some kind that you'd like to see more coverage of or you would like me to come to and you know film and meet with people there I'm all I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm so excited to get out and meet with all of you again this year. If you have an idea or have a show you'd like me to attend, feel free to email me. It's media at nmlra.org. Um, send me those shows. If I can't attend, I'll still put it up on the NMLRA website and share it on social media. We love at the NMLRA sharing and promoting muzzleloading clubs and events from all over the country to help grow this sport. So even if it's somewhere, you know, if you're in California, odds are, it's going to be hard for me to get there this year, but I'd be happy to direct our fans and followers to your event or to a shoot that you have set up. In this month's issue of Muzzle Blast magazine, the Bevel Brothers had a great article on tuning and cleaning up your muzzle loaders, kind of coming off hunting season and getting ready for the woods walk competition and just general muzzle loading. Really fun season. I mean, not that hunting isn't fun, but you know, shooting targets and woods walks and things, that's 
really just more fun focused, more precision competition focused. If you are going through your supplies from last fall or the hunting season and find you need to restock on some things, I really encourage you to check out our sponsors and the advertisers that work with us here at Muzzle Blast. You can find them at nmlra.org slash advertisers and nmlra.org slash shop small. We'll have a link to those great businesses in the description and in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening. We have a lot more episodes in the queue right now as we head towards summer and spring. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts and telling a friend. It helps us get out and reach more muzzleloading enthusiasts out there. If you'd like to hear more of a certain thing on the show, you can shoot me an email at the address I talked about earlier, and I'd be happy to add it to the list that we're going through here for the podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.